Welcome to episode 34 of the Cincy Postcast. Folks, we beat the New York Red Bulls. First playoff win in FC Cincinnati history. Oh my God, are you kidding me? You know why you're on this podcast right now. You want to you wanna celebrate with us and you're getting hype for tonight's match. Yes, we've got Philadelphia Union. So we go over this Red Bull game, what it means for the games coming up against Philadelphia. I said games. I said plural because this FC Cincinnati team cannot be beat. The grand narrative of history is on their side two parts to this one new york red bulls part one rest of the playoffs in philly in part two let's go oh and joining me of course you already know who is here are you kidding me on this celebratory postcast we've got the chief we've got grayson i mean let's let's get this out of the way first grayson where did you watch the game at a brewery in Pittsburgh. Hey, <laughs> Chief, on, where did you on watch? On my phone. <laughs> I uh, watched the game from a uh, golf uh, clubhouse in Batavia, and then also <laughs> on the back nine at Elks Run for the Pride's Honor Flight golf outing. And I want to I want to take this moment right here oh. to point out that since the postcast started, FC Cincinnati is undefeated in playoff games. We have yes. never failed to make the playoffs in a season the postcast has recorded episodes. So if you're listening out there and you just want to start clapping along with listening to the podcast with us right here, I yes. you're welcome. Everyone else out there, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm as excited as you are for what we have brought to Cincinnati by starting oh. our little corner of the internet right here. Grayson, Grayson, do you want to take a victory lap and take responsibility for FC Cincinnati making the playoffs as well? Absolutely, I do. I mean, look, we came out hot out of the gate. We said we said we should be expecting playoffs this year. Yeah, we, we said did. this team's good. We we put our we put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. There has uh, never we, been another we, podcast in the history of FC Cincinnati fandom that has, in its first season, predicted playoffs, demanded playoffs, and told the fans they should expect playoffs. Until the postcast got started, everyone was content. Everyone was was just mm-hmm. looking for the bare minimum, just looking to get by, just happy to be here. <laughs> then the postcast got started and started holding people accountable. We are holding the fan base accountable. We are holding the front office accountable. The only people we're not holding accountable is ourselves for some of the bad takes we Absolutely. had along the way. But I think it's all excusable because we are, as Grayson said, we're a process-oriented podcast. We're a results-oriented podcast as well. The process is playoffs. The results are playoffs. You're welcome. Playoffs. Go, baby, go. <laughs> I, I mean, it is it is remarkable. And I, I wrote about this uh, on, on the website. But uh, this is the first playoff win. What? We have a website? We <laughs> Believe it or not, it exists. Um, but this is the first playoff win in FC Cincinnati history. And I know I'm that guy about that USL yeah. playoff game against I hate, Nashville. I hate, <laughs> I hate this take already. I, look, but this is in, any first play, win. No, in any playoff series, someone has to advance. And this, like, advancing on penalties is still advancing. And advancing means winning. They won that game. That's ridiculous. It's an absurd take. You should feel bad. For, and you should thank me for stopping you from actually saying it before you actually said that nonsense. Oh, no. But, I mean, regardless of how you view this moment, this is a big moment in FC Cincinnati history. Um, 
I think it's fair to say now. If you didn't think this before, I think it's fair to say this now. We are playing with house money. You know, we we got through the first round. I know uh, KLR took a took a shot at my take on that as well. That we were playing with house money, just being in the playoffs. Uh, but now, I mean, if we lose to Philly, we lose to Philly. I, I won't be heartbroken to be perfectly honest with you. This has been but a fantastic run. But we're, we're not, not going to lose to Philly. We haven't lost to Philly yet. We're not going to do it. No. Twice year. Twice at Sorry. their place. To be clear. <laughs> Wait, this year. Yeah. There is no there this is, is no FC, Newton era. I don't know what you're talking about. There is no FC Cincinnati about. history prior to this year. This year is FC Cincinnati. All other years, <laughs> we're just building to get to this year, the first official year in MLS for the re-debut of FC Cincinnati this year. This, this is, is year like that, zero. Um, this is the Pat Noonan glorious revolution. Yes. Okay. This is yes. a new <laughs> dynasty. It's a new team. It's new. A new five-year, a new five-year plan. There were no previous yep. five-year plans. This is the new successful <laughs> five-year plan. And if you attempt to tell me there was a plan before this, then we're going to disappear you and erase you from photos and send yes. you off to Vladivostok or something like that. I understand how this works. Introduce you to our favorite uh, ice pick. No, I, I think it's fair to think that like we we maybe previously thought that we would divide FCC's time at least in these early years as sort of before MLS and after MLS. But no, I completely agree. It is before Chris Albright and after Chris Albright up to this point. So, so uh, no, this is this is fantastic. I mean, BC. This is yes. BC. Yeah, I was trying. <laughs> I was going to make the same joke and I couldn't figure out AD. Like after after Dom. After Dom. After, oh, fuck. We got to find a way. All right. I'm going to think on this throughout the episode. It's got to be a good AD. Um, after, I mean, it'd be. Well, you don't even do BC and AD anymore, right? You do BC and CE. Right. So before Chris era. And Chris after era. Chris era. <laughs> Chris era and then the before the Chris era. Okay. That's, yeah. that's really funny to me. Like the, the way that they tried to sneak over the switch from BC and AD to like BCE and CE. Where like BC is like before the common era and then it's like the common era. And you're like, okay, I get it. We're trying to be like secular and not like exclude see, other religions I, and stuff. No, see, but I, like why do you start the common why do you start the common era where you start it? Right. It's yes. like, like yeah, you're gonna say it's like BCE. All right, so what starts the common era? Like what's why'd you pick zero? Yeah, no reason. It's like, no, there had like, to be a reason right they here. You pick like it's 1450 like, or whenever the printing press was invented. That should be the beginning of the common era. See, I'm I'm a big believer in the plus ten thousand. So if you if you take like all of human history, we can we can more or less date the first uh, construction of buildings to about twelve hundred years ago. So if you just add ten thousand to any given year after AD, that's the year. So we'd be in twelve thousand twenty-two, uh, and that's just the year twelve thousand twenty. That's great. And our our birthplace is like the start of the human species that we know. That's easy. This actually, this actually just there was a minor controversy that erupted online over the fact that so like in this is in Star Wars fandom. If you're online and you talk about like Star Wars movies, all of the fans use uh, BBY for before the yes. Battle of Yavin, which basically means like before episode four. And in the new show Andor, they actually like made the, that dating system canonical that like it actually says that the year is 14 BBY, <laughs> which is like, 
Why? Just make a fucking number up. You can just say it's the year 2349, like Star Trek, 0.6, like whatever. Right. It's a fucking sci-fi show. You don't have Wait, to have a before and an after anything. I haven't watched this show, but it's the fantastic. Battle of Yavin hasn't happened yet, right? Right, no. So the so show... how do they know it's 14 BBY? No, it's just, <laughs> Unless the, the Battle the... of Yavin is like going to be an inside job or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, I mean, like, hey, spoilers. There's a man. guy like there's a guy on like course hey, the Imperial office been blown up yet. Right? It's like, hey, it's like why why did we BBY? What does that stand for? Oh, before the Battle of Yavin. What what happens at the Battle of Yavin? My parents are on Yavin. What are you talking about? <laughs> so like, should I tell my family member, my my uncle that's working on the Death Star, should I tell him to get like a transfer or something like that? Cuz it it seems like there's something you're not telling me right now. Uh, hey Chewy, this is your cousin. All over the inside, it's a Chewy. This is your cousin. X, X Marvin fuel Baca. can't melt steel beams. <laughs> oh my god, so so good. Um, so play. By the way, one one more How about wait, that one Red more Bull thing. game, huh? Oh. One, one more thing. Oh, uh, I just it just made me think of this. Do you guys know like Gary Kasparov, like the chess guy? Yeah. Yes. You know he subscribes to like a conspiracy theory that like the Middle Ages were they didn't happen first of all okay that so there's like an extra start that that they just threw in like an extra they made up 800 years in the timeline because the purpose was to like center history around western europe and to sideline russia <laughs> so wait like there was just like so wait that they didn't happen or that they took a lot longer and we were just sort of stuck in no. a time loop like that no. one episode of star trek with kelsey they Grammer. didn't they just didn't happen just that that like like we're actually in the year like fifteen hundred or something. Well, so, that, that the his, that the evil historians just threw in like an extra seven hundred years uh, in order to try to like minimalize like Russia's so just, uh, just play play this out. So like suppose that I'm going to Europe this spring with my in laws and I'm visiting a castle in Edinburgh that was very clearly built during the Middle Ages. What what would his explanation be for how this exists? It was built like 700 years earlier than your calendar reads. Yeah. So what so year is I, it really? I think like I can see. 1500 or something. Because there's like, there is, I think like three or four days. It's been a while since I've dug into this. There are like three or four days that had to be made up in the switch from like the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. So there is like a leap at one point going from one calendar to another i guess his argument is rather than just like a couple of days for a rounding error it was 800 years <laughs> so if that's true then like we really still might be on the mayan calendar where 2012 is like the end of the world right like we yeah, still it there in that one. that's a great point although thankfully i think we're still hundreds of years away from it happening in this timeline so i think we're we're good um, yeah we're good <laughs> right and if i'm good then i just don't give a shit about anybody else that's just how i, mean, I roll if an asteroid's gonna hit in 200 years what am i really gonna do about it you know no, we've got a, we got a thing for that now we just shoot a rocket and we crash it into the asteroid <laughs> and everything's right. gonna be okay i saw that all over social media we've, we've, we've averted the apocalypse and bruce willis was not required so damn or even given the robots bruce willis's job this is rough <laughs> man that is rough uh, Red Bulls, huh? That was, that was a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. So, so, like, no. What I, what I, am love... I, am I wrong yes. for just thinking like this was 
if you strip away all the fact that it was a playoff game and that this was for winner take all for all the marbles, this was actually a somewhat routine FC Cincinnati victory. I mean, this was they followed the script, and that was that they played pretty good defense. They New York only had that one like wonder shot from outside the box that you know was a great strike, but that goes in probably one time out of twenty when you take it from out there. And then yeah. Vasquez scores. Um, Lucho makes a PK. I mean, this is this if you were going to draw up a formula for how FC Cincinnati was going to win this game, it would probably look very similar to that like hang around equalize and then Vasquez has a moment of brilliance on a incredible ball from Santos and a very clean finish and then they see away a very routine 12 fucking minutes of stoppage time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I think I think you're right that that's like this is like kind of a repeatable formula for beating New York Red Bulls and I want to point out that you know a big difference between why this game in New York ended differently from um, the other two games in the season was Pat Noonan had Sergio Santos on the, on the bench to turn into to turn to, um, to kind of give him something different. And actually on the podcast last week, we and Pat all said, you know, they need something different and Sergio Santos provides something different. They didn't have in those other two games. And uh, Noonan <laughs> must be a listener because in his press conference, they they asked him about the Sergio uh, substitution and he said, well, we needed something different. I'm going to choose to believe that makes him a listener. That's I don't see any problem with that logic. That works for me. Um, but something that was not so routine about it was um, we conceded first and came back and and one on the road. So that was like kind of new. Yeah. It is new. No, but I mean, it's also, wh- it's also a product of the fact that like this is it, conceding isn't the big deal that it used to be because the defense is so much better than it has been at any point in the history of this club to where, you know, you don't have to worry quite so much that like a one goal is going to spiral into two is going to spiral into three. They've got some right. veterans like Cameron and Miazga on the back line. Wobodo, you know, be doing his Wobodo act in the midfield. And, you know, it's it's a lot harder now with this team. Like, I know Chicago got away from them in that last game, but I think there were some extenuating circumstances that they learned from. I think that was like, that was the game they needed to play to understand what pressure truly felt like. But yeah, it's like they have a calm defense mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not as worried about going down one as I would have been if this game would have been played a year ago or even six months ago. Yeah. And you're confident what, what loved, that they're going to get their goals. Yeah. What I loved about this game, though, is like everything that this team has struggled with this year, it was thrown at them and they survived it and like looked calm doing it. Right. Like you had the the defensive lapse that led to the incredible goal and you know, leaving uh, uh Celentano out to dry on that one. You had the uh, comeback from behind. They've only won one other game this year, conceding first. Uh, that was an incredible, uh, you know, like mental fortitude there. You've got Sergio Santos being actually like useful and productive on the field. Brenner and Vasquez both went cold for the first hour. Like that has sunk this team in the past. Uh, Lucho scores a penalty. He missed his first two, at least we forgot. 
forget. And he has been kind of shit at it until the last couple of times. And then this is a team that has struggled with defending a lead and defending a lead through added time. And they pulled off both of those with the 12 added minutes, just insanity. So like, I, oh, I was and, oh, lest like, we, lest we yeah. forget too, this, they also, if you want to talk about playing the greatest hits of Cincinnati this year, they also had a, a penalty called back by VAR. Like in the yes, first or half. a goal called back. Or goal, yeah, goal, yeah. A goal. goal. Yeah. The yeah. goal off the set piece off yes. Cameron in the second half, they had a goal called back by VAR. So like, yes, really want to talk it's, about the greatest hits of 2022. It's everything that this team has struggled with. They had to deal with this in this game and they did it like just perfectly. And it's just insane to think of the growth that this team has kind of undergone this season from that five, nothing defeat in Austin to now of like where Noonan is as a manager, where this roster is. Um, I mean, it's, it's all credit to Noonan and Albright. They made the right upgrades and Noonan made the right substitutions. I have yet to find anybody who thought it was a good idea to pull Brenner for Santos when that happened. I don't know what you guys felt like, Including but I Brenner. felt like that was a terrible idea. I, I questioned it. I, I put a tweet out, I'm not going to delete it. I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll eat it. Like I was clearly, <laughs> clearly wrong. I, I thought, I just thought it was early. Right. Yeah. But you know, Noonan thought differently and I guess that's why he's, coaching the team i mean to a certain extent like to a certain extent like the time to make that move for santos with the number of subs you have in games now the optimal time to bring santos on is before they start to sub when you've got a lot of tired legs on the field or you know the the, the legs that are going to be tired are at their apex at that point before the weak links start getting pulled off new york hadn't fully gone into um bunker and play to hold the game down mode yet Mm -hmm. and you know it was the timing was was it turned out to be perfect and you know maybe that's maybe there's a takeaway there that the time to deploy that sort of speed and that sort of game changer is probably five minutes before you need to like i think that if we would have gone another five or ten minutes it would have been you need to change the game going a little early and changing the game just a smidge before they were expecting it i think paid a lot of dividends in this result and I mean, that was also before we knew that we were going to have, again, and I can't stress this enough, 12 fucking minutes of stoppage time, which (laughs) I will, to my grave, I will bemoan the injustice of the idea that New York could time waste, flop around. Like, I think the one guy, I forget who it was, who, you know, he died four times in the field and came back to life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I get, from, I get from the <laughs> official's point of view the idea of, hey, you're wasting time. We're going to make it up on the back end. But if you're an official and you're trying to punish this team for fucking around, why do you let them have the earned benefit of right. you wasted 12 minutes of time in the game? Probably should have thought about that uh, and considered the possibility you might need those to actually score. Sorry, you don't get all 12 minutes because you caused all 12 minutes thinking you were just going to kill this game off. Like, to me if I'm an official, like the stopwatch gets a little heavy at, or a little light at that point when yes. you caused all this delay and now you seek to benefit from all of the delay you caused in the match. 
You made a tactical decision to slow the game down. You got burned on it because you conceded twice. You shouldn't get the benefit on the back end too. That seems like bullshit to me. And I will forever believe that's bullshit. Yeah, I I, I can't I can't disagree, although, you know, I I said I said to my wife, because she was like, How much time is left? I'm like, well, it's almost over, but there's gonna be like twelve minutes of of, <laughs> of stoppage time. And there happened to be twelve. I mean, it just felt like it was gonna be a huge, huge number. Yeah because of how Red Bull was approaching the game. And the thing is like, you know, like kind of under the rules, they have, there was 12 minutes of time wasting and right. they kind of have to give the 12 minutes. Um, but I think the solution to it is something needs to happen with the way yes. that Red Bulls approach games. Like they, they can't, the refs need to stop being so gullible. Yes. Um, there needs why, why can a goalkeeper get a yellow for time wasting? And why can't a ref judge you are time wasting as an outfield player? You're also going to get a yellow for time wasting for rolling around and pretending to be hurt. I don't buy it. Here's a yellow card. I just, I just, it needs something. Nick Hagelin got a, Nick Hagelin got a yellow for essentially time wasting for kicking the ball, which, you know, I thought, I thought that was like kind of bang, bang. You yeah, know, like the ref, the ref blew the whistle. Hagland was about to kick the ball. He continued to kick the ball. I mean, I thought right. that was, I thought that was a little tight, especially with what they let people get away with. But yeah, like, like Lucanius goes down after after that play in the box. Like, if you're not going to call a penalty there, and I don't think it was a penalty, then go ahead and give give him a yellow for simulation. That yes, that Just is forever th- my annoyance that they or won't the, do that. The, and this is true in all of soccer. And I understand that, like you know, you can't. People get mad when you propose rule changes. But like at a certain point, if you can't carry on, a team should be forced to sub you out. Like if it's your third time going down for treatment, the match officials should step in and say this player is too injured to continue. He must go out if he has to go out for treatment one more time. I love a TKO rule. That is such a good idea. <laughs> you take you got three visits in the same half of the medical staff. You're out. Like you are clearly unfit to to play professional soccer. Try again next week, buddy. <laughs> you have to. You would have to like exempt like situations where they're nothing. Where they're you exempt fouled. nothing. Like if I mean, you're like tough it out, fucking like other sports, like people are limping up and down the court or doing whatever. If you are too hurt to continue, get the fuck out of the match. We'll give you two times where you can be helped off the field to go seek medical attention on the third time for your own good. And also so this game can hurry up and get where it's going. You're out. And if you can't yeah, continue, you know, what, you know what Red Bulls would do? They would two they foot would say, everybody. Yeah, they would say, all right, you six guys, you're just going to knock around Lucho for the first 20 minutes, and we're going to see if we can TK, you can TKO him uh, in, 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 in this game. You know, there was a, um, there was like an old NES, like World Cup soccer game. You guys ever you I love play that? Game. that? Oh, yeah. Did I yep. play that game? If you, if you fouled the opponent enough, they would just be dead. Yeah, they'd fall yeah, down. They'd run out of HP. They would, it was great. They would just fall down and just be lying there the rest of the game. And there was, was great. There was no card process in that game, so of course you should start fouling the no. shit out of everyone. 
Yeah. <laughs> now I know I know I'm like the soccer purist on this podcast, but I, I have fully come around to this rule change, and I know the uh, uh, the the rules board that governs the the rules, which is not FIFA. Uh, seriously considered this a few years ago, but I'm all on board. It is 30 minute halves with a clock that stops. So some guy falls on the ground, needs medical staff. You just stop the clock. We don't need to do this added time thing. We need to. Stop Stop benefiting teams or stop giving teams a benefit to flopping uh, benefit to time wasting, drawing things out like it's it's over. It's been gamed. And the only argument against it is tradition. And when that is your last and only argument, you've got a bad argument. It's time to move on. But if there was something that was incredibly cathartic, that they gave it their all in that second half to time waste to be dilatory and they got all 12 of their minutes and they still couldn't score. Like I was, that was an excruciating stoppage time to watch just because, you know, I just, I'm, I'm expecting the inevitable where we always concede. And in this case, it's going to conceding is going to mean penalties or or extra time or whatever. Um, Cause I genuinely don't know what MLS's overtime rules in the playoffs are. I I don't, I'll look it up at some point. Um, But that we held on and all their bullshit didn't work. And that, I'm just so happy about that. I'm so happy. I would have been as, as furious as losing would have made me if we would have lost because they did their New York Red Bulls routine. It would have been just like exponentially more infuriating. But you know, yes. you know why it didn't work? It didn't work why? because we have quality players. Like we have, yeah. we have, we have quality, right? Hey. And Red Bulls don't have it. They don't have quality. They have Lewis, Mor- Lewis Morgan is probably the only person who you would say like that's a really dangerous player yeah um <laughs> just actually playing playing soccer um, yeah and it's because they as an organization have made a choice that we're gonna play this we're gonna play this style we're gonna pull every you know dark tr- dirty trick in the book all game which you can get in the, get in the other team's heads and then you know, hopefully we'll flip a we'll flip a counter or something into a goal. But the problem is, you know, with, when they needed somebody to create something for them, and Morgan had left the game injured, uh, who apparently apparently took his instruction <laughs> a little too hard. Don't really get hurt. Just pretend. Just pretend to get um, <laughs> But when it when it came down to like who needed to like when both teams it was games one to one, you needed to manufacture something. What we had was actually a very Red Bull goal, but finished with quality players in the attack that they just simply don't have, right? Wobodo stepped to the ball, won the ball, booted it ahead to Sergio, who outran the defender. And then Brandon Vasquez, who I know I don't think of all the time as like a particularly fast player. I think he's slow. Apparently, apparently scored. apparently reached the highest top speed in MLS on a goal scoring play all year Jesus. Uh, when he outpaced Aaron long for that, for, for that uh, game winning goal. It was like, well, we can just, we can add another thing that doesn't fit into Greg with three G's system, fast <laughs> attacking players. Don't want well, that. I, I, I was curious about it. So I looked it up and, and, you know, Doyle said that um, Vasquez's top speed all season was, um, 9.6 meters per second. Yeah. And 
I don't have like access to like all the stats databases and stuff. So if somebody does like, you know, go nuts and, and tell me I'm wrong or whatever. But from what I can tell, the only striker who reaches a top, a, a higher, the, the only striker in the U S player pool who reaches a higher top speed than, than Vasquez reached in MLS this year is Jesus Ferreira. Wow. Um, but Damn. again, no room, Jesus again, Ferreira no room is not for built like a wide receiver. Right, right. Jesus Ferreira is like Lucho's height, I believe. He's a tiny little dude. <laughs> yeah. What a finish! Uh, what a finish, though, by Vasquez. I mean, oh yeah, you know that's his Clinical. first. That's his first real solid opportunity to match, and no nerves. The ball is placed out there on a tee. It's a great feed in by Santos. But man, like, great how many pass. times have we watched this team over the last couple of years prior to this year, where chances like that just they don't get a foot to it or it's mm-hmm. scuffed or it's hit right at the keeper. And that was just a, a, just a precision finish in the, as the pressure is mounting late in this game, just phenomenal. It's just like you're out of superlatives to talk about how good of a finish that was. And that right there, that's why you pay him. That's why the man gets yep. paid. That's the contract right there. He's paid to finish goals like that. And fuck. Yeah. I'll take my chances with a guy finishing goals like that over anyone else in the national team player pool. And he's on our team and we've got him next week at Philly. That's fu- this week at and Philly that's, fucking cool. That's what made that goal just like such poetic justice as he beats Aaron Long uh, to the ball. Uh, the, you know, the, the U.S. men's national team center back and, uh, and slots one in. It's like, all right, well. If Long's good enough to be on your national team, you'd think that the uh, the striker that can clearly beat him would be good enough to make your uh, make your roster, but I guess not. So I'm pretty pumped that we're gonna have Aaron Long starting uh, in a game they play against like Harry Kane. Right. <laughs> right, 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 and I'm not going to tell Vasquez, you Vasquez but... is better than yeah than the England pool or hell even who Wales will have up top. But <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, it is. I, I mean, this game was just. I, it felt so good. Like, yes, there was like plenty of nerves, and that's just what you do when it's a high stakes game. But like, this game felt really good to finally see this team just execute on every single level and so, I, so I, I just keep I, yeah what do you call a hot take that's like a question like a hot Ooh. question yeah sure a, a just hot, asking question just, just asking, asking questions. Right, questions all right i'm just i'm just asking this question just asking does the outcome of this game change if they beat chicago that like they got oh. that pressure was too the moment was too much for them game out of their system two weeks ago so they go into this game and they don't have that weighing on them or they've already gotten that sort of performance out of their system to a certain extent i'm trying to think i'm just asking if, questions if everything else stays the same damn i was gonna say do we host this game instead but it, no, we, we would have just missed it um, <laughs> which which might have radically changed how this would have played out I mean, I think there might be something to that. Like, I think since the RSL match, the team sort of knew the mission that, like, they didn't have room for error. And after a solid West Coast visit, the narrative was suddenly, like, third place is possible, we're destined for the playoffs, and, yeah, I think they folded under the pressure that came with that. 
I'll go along with it. I say this team needed to lose, and like that was their first round loss. That was their first round exit, and they got a taste of what that felt like. I'll go. I'll go a step. I'll go a step further on it, and I think that I think you come into the game with entirely flipped vibes mm. if you beat if you beat Chicago, because remember because of how results played out. If they had beat if they had beaten Chicago, they'd be walking into the DC game with basically nothing to play for. Um, yeah, they would already be qualified for the playoffs, and it would have I'm taken pre- a miracle to get a host. Yeah, and well, they would. Yeah, and and I think that they would have been basically locked into the the seed. So you yeah. know, maybe they beat DC, maybe they tie DC, you know, but it's like it's a lackluster game. Yeah. You know, I think in, in that scenario and they weren't perfect against DC by any means, but like five goals, man, you're flying. Like they had to be so, so like amped up that DC game. Right. Right. So well, coming out like of the letdown of the cannon, like they right. were on them in a second. So coming out of the letdown of the Chicago game and just the, the romp they had in DC. I think that that's like maybe exactly the kind of spirit that you want going into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the team's mentality looks great. They, they didn't really have a moment. I mean, I guess the Lewis Morgan goal, but they didn't Which really one, have mean, a moment you know, where they turned like, off. Yeah. Like that goal, like I'm okay with, that shot like that's a it's a low percentage shot it was well struck it was in the only place you were going to beat Celentano in from that spot I am so much better giving a goal like that up than losing a mark in the 18 or you know forgetting you can't be offside on a throw in yeah that was that was not a a great (laughs) moment in FC Cincinnati history but I mean the back line played really well like really really well they defended well the defense all over the pitch was great like it wasn't yeah. just the back line like the team really the, the new york never and i understand that new york we building on the point earlier they, they just don't have the talent to just go out there and out talent you even at home they're not gonna outplay you ever they're going to have to game yeah. you a little bit game the system but i mean they were all over new york new york never got into a flow in this game like there was no flow to anything they were doing there were no usually in these games like when you're playing on the road with FC Cincinnati, you see other teams have long spells of possession from time to time. We, you know, we've said it before. We're not a team that loves or needs the ball in order to score, but like New York Mm -hmm. never had that. Like the best you could say about New York was that they were keeping us from doing what we wanted, but they never seemed to really be dictating the terms or dictating the pace to this game to us ever. Yeah. Right. If you didn't think you're right. Yeah, if you didn't know, like, Red Bull was hosting, I think you'd be fair to think that FCC and to be fair, was most the people in the, seed. And most people in the New York, New Jersey area also did not know that New York was hosting this game. Which we the, do well, need to, to touch take on. A, yes. You have to take a train to the stadium. People in New York notoriously <laughs> hate taking trains 30 minutes to places. Public transportation hasn't caught on there, yeah. No. <laughs> It's a car centric part of the country. You just, you can't, if you can't park, they're just not interested in doing it at all. Oh, 
Man, it's awful too because they're supposed to be drawing from like Bergen and like the sort of like outer reaches of the suburbs of New Jersey, which are very car centric. So they really don't have an excuse for not just driving the 30 minutes into the stadium. But hey, <laughs> I've also heard tell though from people that have been there before that like to park at Red Bull Arena, there's only like one road in and one road out, and you really oh. truly do get trapped there. If it's like any sort of a crowd at all, there's just no there was no thought given to egress and ingress for people that are driving to the game. And also, apparently, no thought for people getting mass transit either, because I think it's a little bit of a hoof from the the path station to get there as well. I uh, I, I don't want to compare the two, but the parking thing sounds like an excuse. The parking thing cannot be worse than what they have at Kansas City for their football stadium. <laughs> and people point. come out at whatever 80 90 thousand people who come out you know every weekend for that it's also <laughs> the same way if you ever go out to uh ral john maryland which was named after jack kent cook's two kids ralph and john he just combined their names and then forced a <laughs> municipality to name a subdivision after them where him so we would build his stadium there there's only one road in and out of uh fedex field there when you go to see the washington commanders play and uh, wow. absolutely no service from the DC Metro or the Mark train at all out there. It was I, I know this will be shock everyone why it wasn't chosen as a World Cup site for that reason. <laughs> they, they they even like they even knew because they just bowed out. No, they yeah. were just like, oh yeah, we're gonna host, but like we're gonna play the games in Baltimore because shockingly, if you live in DC, it is more convenient to take the subway to Union Station and then take a train up to Baltimore to go see a game than it is to use mass transit to see a game at FedEx <laughs> Field that actually is inside the Beltway in Washington. You know, this <laughs> makes me mad that we didn't, uh, like, try to say that our bid was a Cincinnati-Atlanta joint bid. And, like, <laughs> just so you can well, we'll do a watch party, and then we'll have nonstop Delta flights to Atlanta the day before and the day after. Don't worry about it. We're co-hosting this event. Or like the unholy <laughs> alliance between Cincinnati and Columbus games to be staged at Ohio State University at the Horseshoe. But like, like everyone sort of gathers in Middletown to do meth and watch games together. Yes, it'll be fun. Be great. Be fun for the whole family. No, that crowd was pathetic. I think they had 17,000 tickets distributed, which is how most places report yeah. this. My estimate puts it closer to eight to 10,000 of their their best fans made it out for uh, I was just this disappointed one. with the number of Americans at that match, <laughs> That's, if I'm being honest. That's a great point. Christian Bull. <laughs> I mean, hey, that could be an actual take me Oscar Cameron has. Let's That's, not. That, that feels like an eternity ago. That take, like Christian versus Cincinnati, that feels like legitimately another lifetime ago. Man. Um, I so, mean, look. So Vasquez, I want yeah. No, go. Sorry. I was just going to say, if Vasquez, if Vasquez gets a call up to the Mexican national team, I'm, I'm submitting my one time switch with FIFA. All right. That's just where I'm at with this team yeah. right now. The United so. States is my other team. <laughs> um, so on the on, on Chiefs point with the with, with the back line playing well, I want to make a special. I want to make a special point to like kind of defend uh, our guy, Alvis Powell. Please a little bit. Yes. Please go off. Disparaged because, on the internet because, like, it, I 
I thought it was going crazy. So, so for people who didn't see this, who aren't like, who don't have like worms in their brain and they're not just like on Twitter, see, deeply you know. online, like the three of us, deeply, um, deeply online. Uh, so Matt, Matt Doyle, uh, surprisingly, the armchair analyst, the armchair analyst, usually really kind of like fair and level headed and, um, not annoying at all. Um, <laughs> he put out a tweet where he was like, he said something along the lines of, "I've been, I've been saying all season how much better FC Cincinnati would be with just one upgrade." In parentheses, it's like, for the record, I think they will make several upgrades. And then he's like, "But Alvis Powell has been a disaster in this game." It was what? something along those lines. I'm not reading it, yeah, specifically. And I'm like, well, first of all. I, I've I've literally never seen yeah. him mention Alva's pal in connection with FC Cincinnati. I also beyond that too, like I've seen what a disaster looks like on this team. Yeah, right, Kamehilo Makocho was a disaster. Joe Chow was Hoyt a right was back. starter. Right was back. a yeah. disaster. <laughs> um, what, what's the dude's name? Faith Family Football. The Dude that can't run. Forrest, Forrest Lasso. Lasso. Forrest Lasso <laughs> was a disaster with so, FC Cincinnati. So first, so I went into I went into his I went into his Twitter account and I looked up Pal and I looked up Upgrade and I looked up Cincinnati and I I found exactly one mention of Alvis Pal where he was just tweeting about Alvis Pal missing a shot. Nothing about like. You know, Alvis Powell being bad all season or FG Cincinnati really need to upgrade at that spot. And whether you think they need to upgrade it right back is entirely beside the point right now. Okay. Yeah. And I've never heard him mention this on extra time. So I'm like, you're saying that you're saying this all year. Who are you saying this to? Your cats? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, he's on a, he's on Truth Social. Like he's saying it to the other half of MLS fans we discovered right. a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, parlor. Yeah. Yeah. Him and him and <laughs> so, Kanye. He's saying that to Yee. <laughs> You know, I keep saying uh, to my man Kanye that Alvis Powell's got to go. He's not it. <laughs> Apparently, Kanye has like 5,000 followers on Parler, if that tells you how big that platform is. He's supposed to be buying it, I believe. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, so anyway, so Alvis Elon Powell. Musk owns Twitter. Kanye owns Parler. When do we start a social media account? <laughs> Gary, give me a weekend, man. <laughs> Gary, it. social. <laughs> Gary um, social. <laughs> so, yes, Alvis Powell yeah. lost the ball kind of embarrassingly in the box, right? Yeah. But, like, he gets into really, really good positions going forward that defenses have to deal with. You know, like, yes, he, like, loves to take those shots from outside the box and he's terrible at it. Yeah. But you know what? He's up there. He's sh he's showing the defense that the different looks. He's giving them something that they have that they have to pay attention to, that they can't just focus on uh, Brenner and Vasquez. And then sometimes Powell's runs do turn into something like he'll draw a penalty or he'll you know make a nice pass that turns into a goal or create a good opportunity. Um, and then several times a game, he makes just an incredible recovery run. Yeah, to to stop. To stop a to stop a break that the other team has to stall their offense to give everybody a chance to get back into position and and, and get set, and Powell has a limited skill set. He's the best right back this team has ever had, <laughs> and yeah. um, 
he's making like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> if for 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 what he brings to you on his budget number i don't know that you can really do better but uh, your chief has something to say <laughs> on gary's social it wouldn't be a tweet you would you would have a roar you would roar <laughs> oh boy i think you could re-roar something <laughs> yeah. all right i'm into it <laughs> So, Grayson, I, I, I think it's a fantastic point. No, I, I actually, I actually was listening to what he said, and it's like part of what like Doyle doesn't get is that like we talked about it last week. Is that like what is Alvis Powell? This the floor is so much higher than yes. what you're used to. Like, is he limited? Yeah, but like what he does, he does really well, and like he does really competently, and like that's what you need. Like in MLS, everyone isn't going to be a fucking superstar. Everyone's yeah. not going to be great at their job. All you're looking for is for a guy like Alvis Powell is don't embarrass me when I throw you out there to play. And if yeah. you can do something really well, like have like one or two things you do better than most people at like that wage level, that's a, that's a massive win. That's why this team's in the playoffs is because Albright identified someone like Powell where I can get reliable play at a low salary number. And I'm not going to get embarrassed by the dude. He's not going to fuck up and, you know, shit down his leg. That's all you're looking for. We had tons yeah. of people that shit down their leg whenever we put them out there. Pal's fine. He's absolutely yeah. fine. I don't understand the take that he is a problem. It's also worth pointing out that Nick Hagland is the center back that is working closest with him on that yep. side of the field. And they work well together and that they're both sort of chaotic defenders that are really good at like ridiculous athletic plays and making like just these heroic tackles and, and incredible recovery runs when maybe they shouldn't be. And it like, it works well there. Like, I'm not sure if Powell, with Miazga would work because Miazga would be expecting some certain level of of competency, whereas like Haglin can adapt to whatever Powell throws at him. It it just you know the, it you know works the fun well. Thing, the fun thing about Powell is if Powell is playing this role and playing this, you can go spend a shitload of money to improve the spot that Junior Moreno is playing in. You can spend a ton of money yeah. on that spot yeah. and get a truly impact player right there. Or you can spend a ton of money upgrading where Barial is. If you don't like what Barial is doing, like they don't all have to be great. Competent is such a win at MLS. Like the best yeah. teams in MLS, they're competent everywhere, special in some places, great in others. Like just avoid being bad. That's the goal. Avoid well, a bad player on your roster. Even with the right back position, Gaddis is making more as the substitute. So if Gattis you is making like get... twice as much. Right. Like he's been... If you could just upgrade that spot and have two guys fight it out for the starting role, and that's Powell and whoever you bring in to replace Gaddis, then you have something there. But it's not like, yeah, of all of the positions on the team, I, I, I've even seen this from fans. They think like right back is the weak spot. It's like the last thing you upgrade in an MLS team. Like if anything, you think like, ah, do we have a kid on FCC two who can play right back? Cause we could save a couple of bucks on pal's salary and find another spot for that. Like that's a place you might actively downgrade to improve somewhere else. So I was I, listening yeah, to, I, uh, that's all that, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to Alec. I think the new allocation disorder today. And they mm. were going out of their way to trash some team, Toronto, for having like 
a ton of money invested on their outside backs. Right. And they were like, this is a terrible place to spend all your money. <laughs> right. It's it's a known thing in MLS. It's like, that's like the luxury piece. And it's why, like, Matarita might be looked down upon by a veteran MLS front office of like, ugh, it's a lot of salary from that guy. We sure we couldn't just make him a left winger or something like I, I yeah so anyway the the my conclusion on it is i don't think i i think he's a liar i don't think he's been saying this about pal all season i don't think he watches half of our games i think right. he i think he saw pal you know make that make that kind of clumsy play and lose the ball in the box and was like i'm gonna make a take out of this Right. And that, that's it. I, Which I mean, if there's, yeah, you know, fair re- enough. respect who, who that hasn't? like, you know, you're in <laughs> who among us hasn't made a take out of, you know, less. And also it's like, he's got to generate content somehow. And maybe he just wasn't paying attention. It was like, I haven't said enough about Cincinnati recently here. I'm going to throw this out there and see what happens. Right. I, I mean, the one thing to criticize Powell for on that play, like, yes, he's a professional soccer player, probably shouldn't lose the ball in the box at his feet like that, uh, virtually unchallenged. Uh, my criticism is he gives up on the play and Vasquez goes and wins the ball and then makes a, a like a desperation cross that actually kind of turned into a chance. But it was frustrating to see Powell just give up completely. That's that's where I think criticism is very valid on that specific play. But ah, what are you going to do? It's it's MLS. Eventually, some guy, as you always say, Chief, some guy making 100K or less is touching the ball and your, your multi-million dollar attacker can't do it all, all the time. We we proved that last year. Yeah. Um, it's a, it was a... It's, it's, <laughs> Isn't it fun though to be talking about this after a playoff win? Yeah, this is. Yeah, yeah. I yes. don't even. It's like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like we no. won a playoff game. Like that still hasn't. Like it's. It still hasn't sunk in yet that they went, they advanced, and and if you want something that's really kind of fucked up to think about, um, this team is three wins away from winning MLS Cup. Jesus Christ! <laughs> They're two wins away from playing for it. Like that's. Look at us. Who would imagine? Right here. <laughs> it's incredible. I, we, I think we accused Albright of punting on this season earlier. Sure did. <laughs> I mean, if this is what punting looks like. I mean, I understand, and I, KLR called this out perfectly. I, you don't want to look to the future while this run is happening. But I, I will I will say in, in this moment that it's hard not to get excited about the future given – how much we know that this team was hamstrung going into this season. So I, I think you have plenty of reason to feel optimistic. Futures now. Yeah, but I mean, this is the but team also, we've got. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think it's important, and I think this is probably KLR's point, is appreciate these guys for what they've done this season yes. and what they're doing this week. Yeah. Yes. And it's also, it's like appreciate them for what they're doing and also realize that like, Every game that these guys play might be the last one they play in an FC Cincinnati uniform. And there's going to be some people. I think, Kevin, you posted this somewhere that I saw. So I'm going to steal this take from you. Please. This is the first offseason where we're going to be sad to see some of these guys go. But yeah. you can't keep them all. And, like, we're not just getting rid of bums. Like, all these guys, even the guys that, like, we've been dogging on a little bit where it's like, yeah, they're probably going to move on. But, like, let's talk about you, Yakubo. Comes in. Yeah. 
extra time and has probably like puts the game away. Like I would compare it to the, you know, the running back that fights for an extra two yards to pick up the first down so they can knee the clock out. But like he has that yep. tackle at the end of the game that breaks up the Red Bulls clear last oh, possession. Yes. And then he himself gets fouled, draws a free kick and it's the last play of the game. Like oh. walk off tackle at the end of that. You know, I was screaming foul him, just screaming at the top of my lungs. Just as soon as they got that breakaway, foul him, foul him. This is the time to take your yellow, foul him. <laughs> and it's like, we're, if you if you look ahead right now, and if you start thinking about like, oh, even how great is next year going to be, you're going to miss the fact that Yuya Kubo's probably gone off this team, and he gave incredible minutes this week, gave incredible minutes down the stretch in September. And yeah, a pre, like, if there's one sort of takeaway from all this, it's fucking appreciate this. Like, even if they go out yeah. against Philly and they get dog walked by Philly, fucking appreciate it. It's cool. Like, this is cool that they are one of the last eight remaining teams right now with a chance to win MLS Cup. Nashville ain't playing. Columbus no. ain't playing. No. We're still here. That's, co- that's think- cool. That's objectively cool. And you think about it, like, like guy like Yuya Kubo, it may not feel it, but he's been on the team – just about longer than anybody else on the team. Just him, Haglund's, Alan Cruz, Hag- and Hagland. Alan Cruz, uh, Vasquez was signed around the same time. Kubo was Vasquez and Kubo were signed in the same offseason. So, like, there's a few guys on this team who have really been through the shit, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and to see and to see you know Kubo like the never and Kubo and Hagland and Vasquez. You yeah, know, they were in the they were in the Ron Yans karaoke club, and they they've, they've they've come around to now see this. They've seen Damn, they've seen they about <laughs> as as worst as you could possibly see in Major League Soccer, and they are still you know putting it all out there. Like I don't think you could you could you know complain about you know Hagland's limitations, or you can say like you know Kubo hasn't been the offensive player that we've expected him to be, but. You can't say anything about the effort they put forward. And what's you can't. And it's why I've been like, it's been so cool for me. Like one of the cool things of the last couple of weeks has been to see the fan base turning up at the airport to, to welcome this team home to it's a thing. Apparently uh, isn't something that you see in a lot of MLS cities. It's something that, you know, and it's more associated with the NFL, I think, um, MLB or even international leagues like it's huge in Mexico the airport greeting of the new signing the airport greeting of the team that's a big Mexico thing in particular and it's cool like to see all the all the fans lining the fence line at Lunkin Airport when the team yes. flies in like it's, in it's a neat black thing. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's I remember I was commenting to a, a friend of mine when we were watching the game together a little bit at uh before the golf outing started and it's like the, it's cool to me that this city never gave up on this club. And now is the, is the fervor still at the same level that it was from year two, year three in USL, where it was really on the ascendancy? I mean, clearly not. It's it's not the same, but it's still, it's still there. You still see people, tons of people wearing gear. This week alone, I've had people, like I'm sure we can all relate to this idea of being the FCC guy where you work. Yes. Yes. And people are back in people are back into it. And like you don't just start showing up at the airport if you don't if you're a bandwagon fan. This is this is a, a fan base that has been 
you know, as much as you want to talk about you, Kubo being through some shit, it's a fan base that's been through some shit. And yep. it's cool to see so many people that stuck with this club and are now kind of reaping the benefits and reaping the feelings of seeing this club succeed at a high level. And it's just more fodder for the take of just enjoy this. This is really, really cool. And you don't like next year's not promised to anyone. You have no idea what's going to happen. You have no yeah. idea who's going to be here, who's going to get a huge bid from Europe, and we've got to sell, um, or I you mean, know, injuries or whatever happens. And there's the there's Bengals. Tons of- yeah. yeah, the Bengals are the perfect lesson of this. The 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 thought was, oh, we lost the Super Bowl, but that's fine. We'll upgrade the offensive line, and the Bengals will roll the NFL next year. And they did exactly that, and the offensive line looked worse. And every single game this year, win or loss, has been super tight. Yeah, The Reds in 2012, like they're yes. in the playoffs. They are up two, two games to nothing on the Giants. They get swept, and you think, it's okay. The core is still in place. They – Never win a playoff game from that point forward. Um, yeah. Enjoy this. You, you, you never know. The moment chooses you. The time chooses you when it comes to sports. You don't get to pick your window all the time. And you should approach. If you're a fan of this team, I, I really do hope you're approaching every game as if it's the last. And I hope that you're approaching every game as if it's the just the next step towards winning an MLS Cup winning uh, season where you you're going to wish you enjoyed all of these games way more. I think no matter win or lose, everyone will wish they enjoyed these games way more. It's, it's fucking cool. This is fun. Yeah. Oh, completely agree. Also, uh, the last few times the post has tweeted it out. So, uh, check, check the, uh, the Twitter account. We like to post the, uh, the flight info where, where to get to Lunkin ahead of time. I know a lot of people meet up at Streetside Brewery beforehand. So if you're not sure if you have a, a general window, maybe head over to Streetside while you wait, which um, is a good, I, good advice in general. Streetside's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if blank slate can't live, I, I guess I can drink it at Streetside. R.I.P. Uh, part two. Let's talk about the playoffs uh, around the league, and then of course this Philadelphia game, huh? How about those storylines? Let's let's hit that in, in part two here. Oh, we're back. Let's do it. This is MLS playoff time, and. I mean, Grayson, it's got to be a rough time of year for you. You you might even feel compelled to watch multiple MLS games in a single day. How how has the postseason treated you? <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been watching. I haven't watched every minute of every game, but I've been I've been watching. I think most of most of the playoff games, and they've been decently enjoyable. Uh, yeah. If I, was an, if I was an RSL fan, I'd be, I'd feel pretty. Uh, hard done that by was rough. Given late that was game, rough. But, um, I did fall asleep during the Minnesota DC game last night. Yeah, or, that's not DC, fair. FC Dallas. Yeah, but say so DC. Uh, DC also fell yeah. asleep during that game too. Yeah. I think because they were not participating. Um, I <laughs> I actually turned that game on just for PKs, which I can't recommend enough. Just don't watch an entire yes. game and just flip on when the PKs start. Um, St. Clair, for being an incredible keeper during the regular season, man, that guy can't pick the direction Ooh. to dive to save his life. No. And then got, like, just embarrassed on the final goal. Like, being chipped where the ball is so slowly going over your head, you still feel like after you've div- dr- uh, d- divin, divin, dove? <laughs> dove? Dove. <laughs> after you've dove? That sounds wrong. 
Well, now everything I'm saying is that dived It's not going to be dived did. Dived did. After you dived did the wrong way. If you know how to pronounce this correctly, send me a roar. Um, <laughs> still have the ability to potentially reach over his head and save the ball. Uh, oh. Just bad. Just realized we can have a fight button on Gary's social, so that'll just be a built-in feature. So yeah, <laughs> roar and then fight right next to it. It'll be like a sword, a little sword up in the air. You just click the fight <gasps> yes. button. Oh my god, so good. Um, no, I, I thought that was. I, I mean, the, all of the games I think have been really good. The Austin game was just insane in how unable Austin was to beat a 10-man RSL. Um, Funny enough, I mean, watching those penalties as well, the entire time I'm watching Brad Stuver just look like an absolute stud on every single one of those kicks, and I just have to keep reminding myself that Stuver's the one that GB scored against when we played the crew in the Open Cup. (laughs) I will just, I will never be able to take him seriously, or even respect him. Say we face them in MLS Cup final, I just won't be able to respect him knowing that it's, gb put one pass it's, it's it's really hard to unknow the fact that a guy on a free from the kazakhstan premier league <laughs> undressed you in a open cup game oh one two headers to beat him oh so good um i don't know about you guys but the uh new york city should be i think fined or not allowed to play home matches until they can find a soccer stadium uh because that game again was just awful i the camera angles are awful the fan experience looks awful um i I, i'm really i was not that i wanted to play miami i was just really for the sake of the sport hoping miami would have beat new york city it was bad look i just can't get over the fact that like it's the mls playoffs and for no reason at all, you are putting a game up, being played in a baseball field, in the driving rain, in a in a mostly empty facility up against Monday Night Football. And I understand it was an atrocious Monday Night Football game. I don't understand why the Denver Broncos keep getting primetime games. I just I right. It must be a joke that they're all playing on us just to see. Like Roger Goodell's motto must just be "fuck it, you'll watch." Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, cause I did, um, <laughs> but why, why would MLS just take the L like that? Why would you put, why right. wouldn't you put a game on Friday night? Why wouldn't you start the playoffs on Friday when you have no competition instead of playing on a Monday when you're going up against the NFL? That just makes no fucking sense at all. Or if you're going to be New York City and you're going to do that, have them play noon on Friday in a baseball stadium so nobody sees it. It's a day like, game. Just like hide the fact that this game is happening business, on a, a baseball business, stadium. It's a businessman business special. special. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, it's in a baseball stadium. You're telling me they're not used to a weekday uh, midday game? Like, come on. That that would be fun. Um how, that was just it was awful it was just so so bad and of course like nycfc looks really fucking good doing it so that makes it even more annoying so at least uh Iguain's last game as a professional soccer player is in the driving rain at city field losing to a meme team in miami so that was uh or to, to new york city sorry excuse me a minor league soccer team in new york city so lovely <laughs> I just I, I I'm curious. New York has to have the best home field advantage in all of MLS, right? Like just the ability to play I on that small so. field, like has to I be the biggest. Feel like they they pick players 
for their Ooh. ability to play on 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 a small field. Yeah, that makes narrow. sense. Like that goal that they the, the first goal that uh, Miami conceded was like just the ultimate um, NYCFC goal. It was a ball played long on a short field where the long ball gets you exponentially closer to goal than it would any place else. It was two defenders that were uh, collapsing into space because the pitch is so narrow that spacing gets all screwed up. Both of them whiff on the ball and it's a free run in for a goal. Like it's, it's they are built to play that way. And it's why I really, for the good of the sport, I hope Miami just runs them out of the building or um, Montreal just runs them out of the building. Yeah. Just, just do that. I would rather I would rather a Canadian team, a fucking Canadians, win an American league than watch New York City win anything. Yeah, and I mean the Montreal crowd looks really hype. I was so happy to finally see them get a primetime game. That's like MLS's forgotten team, their forgotten market, and so it was it was nice to actually see a, a decent time slot for them and. Uh, yeah, like that crowd. That crowd looks fun. That would be a fun environment to go to go play in. Later objectively, this year. the hardest. Huh? Objectively, the hardest away game to make in the Eastern I mean, Conference, which sucks. It is true. Yeah. Uh, but we got Philly, and Grayson. I think you pointed this out on Twitter uh, when we tied them one to one. Uh, the one where uh, Jonathan Tannenwald said they completely outplayed us despite not winning a single relevant statistic in that game. Uh, we were without one Lucho Acosta and started Tyler Blackett on the uh, the back line. I, should should SEC fans be, what, I don't know, scale of 1 to 10, how confident should an FCC fan be walking into this game? I think you should feel good about it. Yeah. I don't I, I I mean Philly you're the season you're not who you are like over one or two games and Philly I know they didn't win the shield but they scored the close. most goals and they gave yeah. up the fewest goals uh they have a ridiculous goal differential it's like twice as much as anybody else in the league it's like 48 49 or something ridiculous yeah 46 LAFC the next closest with 28 the next closest after that is 16. <laughs> so, yeah, it falls off pretty quickly. So I, I don't think – I'm not I'm not taking it personally that, that I'm seeing, you know, folks saying Philly's favored or that Philly, Philly's expected to win this game. But I think you should feel good about it. It's the, We're the only Eastern Conference team Philadelphia didn't beat this year. Um, we have uh, – uh, we, we tied them – at their place, which the only tie they won twelve and tied five, at, yeah, at their at their home, um, and you know we have we have the book on them to the extent that that you have it because Albright was there, Noonan was there, uh, Powell played there last year, Santos played there this year, Gaddis um, I believe is their all time minutes leader. Well, yeah, Gaddis like played that. there, but like yeah. two years ago. So I think you should feel good about it because. We played them well, and I think they'll be ready for it. They'll be ready and up for it. Yeah. The people who should be the most excited about this is our MLS. Like, this is – it's a yes. sport that's starved for narrative. This is incredible narrative. Um, if anyone involved in the league cared to write about such things or if there was ever pregame shows for any of these <laughs> games that were played as opposed to cutting right from commercial to kickoff – 
it, it's the it's the one of the best stories in sport. The mentor against his uh, student. Um, yeah. The coaching tree goes up against itself with Noonan going up against Jim Curtin, Albright going up against Ernst Tanner um, for building a squad. They play. They're looking to do similar things to one another. I, I just I love this as a matchup. I just love this from like the story of sports. There's nothing better than someone who has lived in a shadow trying to emerge and come onto the scene and come onto the stage for themselves. And what would be really interesting about it is that from Philly's point of view, Philly's won supporters shield before haven't won MLS cup. And this is, I think without, you know, really deeply researching it, probably what the best team they've taken to try and go and best opportunity they've had to go win MLS cup. Um, yeah, there really isn't a dominant team anywhere in the league on either side of the bracket. I mean, LAFC is good, but I don't think anyone would say LAFC is like all world or would be anything better than an even money toss up pick in an MLS cup game with them. So for them, there's a ton of pressure on this team. There's a ton of pressure on curtain. There's a ton of pressure on the squad because this is the shot they've been waiting for. Um, I would, if I was a Philly fan, I would hate to play us. This would be like the yeah. last team I would want to see. I wouldn't want to see Pat Noonan hungry to try and show his mentor <laughs> that, you know, hey, maybe I you taught me a little too much. I wouldn't want to see a team that is literally playing with house money that they didn't expect to be here, where the weight is on you as the number one seed to go out there and win this game and win MLS Cup. This is this is a nightmare matchup for Philly. They may they may well end up winning, but fuck, I would not. I would not be sleeping soundly if I was a union fan going into this game at all. Because yeah, again, I, beyond all that too, like this offense that FC Cincinnati has, they can go yeah. win a shootout. Like if everything yep. else is going wrong, this offense is capable of putting up three, four goals in a game. We've seen that happen before. So yeah. And they put three past Philadelphia. Like there isn't a uh, a team left in the uh, the Eastern Conference that FCC hasn't scored three or more goals on. Like that's, this, this <laughs> offense is fantastic. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's an interesting clash of styles as well because I, we talked about this on the last podcast as well. It's like the the promise or the the storyline, the narrative, the premise of the Chris Albright pitch is do what you did in Philly, but we'll give you more money. So your highs can be higher as long as you can guarantee us a floor that is about that level. And well, it's only been one year and he's only been able to turn over part of the roster and and FCC certainly doesn't have an academy anywhere close to Philadelphia. We do have guys like Brenner and Wobodo who are just outside of the price range of Philadelphia. I'd even throw Miazga in there. I don't think Philly was a reasonable target for or a destination for Miazga. They don't spend no. that much money on guys. So it'll be interesting to see like if our star power I'll say can uh, can shine through here and it might actually kind of as good as Philly has been and in their incredible uh you know season long you know team because they have that incredible depth 
to draw on from their academy. But when it comes to these knockout rounds in MLS, it's normally your star players that are deciding these moments. And I think if FCC were to win this, it, it would go a long way to sort of disproving the Philly model that so many people have come to see as dominant. I think that'll be an interesting narrative to watch. So I've seen a few a couple, people say a couple of things. And one is, you know, and I don't want to, I'm not taking anything away from, from Philly or how good they are and what they've done this year. But people seem to be discounting the fact that FC Cincinnati played them really well yes. during the season. And um, I listened to Pat uh, Brennan, our friend. He was on a, a Philly. Unofficial fourth co-host. Yeah. <laughs> yes. he, was on a, he was on a Philly podcast uh, today and the the host was saying, well, you know, they kind of feel like they um, that Cincinnati didn't deserve to win those games that they, you know, gave those games away. And I'm like, Vasquez manhandled their center backs both games. Yes, like he like, and I I think so. The, he talked about you know things that we do well, and he didn't do a bad job. I think he clearly did his homework on the team. But something that I think was definitely underappreciated was. Vasquez seems just physically superior to both the center backs they have. And that was a problem for them both games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, like we got Pal from them. We got Santos from them. Clearly Philly thought they were expendable. Both those guys were starters for them in the playoffs last year. Yeah. So like th- these aren't, you know, straight cast offs. And I think it's another thing that you've, that I've heard is, Philly's saying, oh, you take our our cast-offs, our, our rejects, and I'm like, well, that's that's incredibly disrespectful to... to they the all seem mad to lose Santos. Like, if he's a reject, they all acted the wrong way. <laughs> so I think that's, that's just incredibly disrespectful to, to Pat Noonan and, and Chris Albright and what they've, what they've accomplished here. And it's, it's not like Philly is the only place Pat Noonan ever worked. I mean, right. he was an assistant for Bruce Arena. Um, he he coached at a few different at a few different teams. Yeah, he he most recently coached at Philly, and you know he get he knows their. You know he knows obviously knows Jim Curtin really well and knows their t- that team really well, but the idea that like you know, Philly, made Pat Noonan and then cast him off. I thought it was just right. just stupid. <laughs> I mean, Albright and Noonan have probably played with half of the coaches right. in MLS yeah. at this point, like as teammates or national teammates. Like, it's, yeah, it, correct. They were at Philadelphia last. And yes, I mean, this is like the problem when you become a really good team over a long period of time is that you get your guys poached and those guys have a reputation that is built up fairly or unfairly that makes them attractive candidates elsewhere like again looking back at the nfl like how many of bill belichick's coordinators got hired as head coaches just because that they were bill belichick's coordinators and, and like they were all none uniformly of them bad out they were yeah. all bad <laughs> romeo cornell was terrible josh mcdaniel was terrible charlie weiss was terrible all of these people have been terrible <laughs> like terrible and then came back and then were seen as good coordinators again like hmm interesting i guess um, i guess vrabel's pretty good but vrabel played for him i don't know if vrabel coached for him 
That's a good point. I think he was an assistant, like a position coach for a hot second. But yeah, I mean, you you can't say that like, yeah, I, I, I do not like saying that this is Philadelphia's doing, that Philadelphia made these guys completely agree. Like these are seasoned pros. And if it wasn't going to be Philadelphia, they were going to be Red Bull guys or they were going to be Kansas City guys or Galaxy guys. Like that's, yeah, so that's Dom where Kinnear, their Dom Kinnear isn't were. a Philly guy. Right. He's not a Philly guy. Dom Kinnear is like Kenny Arena's not a Philly guy. Coach in MLS history. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and Kenny Arena is probably, I don't know, probably the next in line for a head coaching job. Like this playoff run, sad to say, is probably getting him somebody else's job. Maybe Houston. I don't know. But like, yeah. Columbus. It's, <laughs> fuck, that would be so sad. I know, right? I don't want to hate Aww. him. I like him. Uh, actually, he strikes me as the kind of guy who'd take over the galaxy at some point in the near future. But yeah, it's. I don't uh, think Donnie's going anywhere. I don't know, man. That's such a dysfunctional I think we, team. Though. I think we gotta we gotta use all that money we make from advertising on the post website that wherever Kenny Arena goes, we gotta go interview him in person and redo the interview. <laughs> yes. Yes. So hopefully With someplace like more exotic than Columbus. Yes. <laughs> Every single one of us are recording to our phones, recording with a tape recorder. There's there's too many backups. Like an, I want actual, them all an actual cassette recorder. Like you'll be able to hear the hiss in the background as the tape is recording. I always wanted those big silver ones with like the two tape decks in it with the, the, the stick microphone that you have to carry around with you that's plugged into it. That always felt like real reporter shit. So, um, I think you can probably yeah. buy one on eBay for like $5 now. I don't think yeah, they're very sure hard to like find. There's like a Bluetooth version of it now. Yeah. Or it's um, like ironically big to look like a tape deck, but it really doesn't have a tape player in it. Just hipster. It's got a, like a, a solid state drive in there that holds like the entirety of every recorded piece of radio of all time in it yeah um do we want to predict this game see that's i was about to i was about to bring this up the idea that like i really have a hard time seeing how this game is gonna go like i was over in indiana today doing some business so i threw a couple doing this earlier too (laughs) i I threw a couple wagers in on the game so like the wager i ended up going with on this game yeah what'd you do well, I've got an emotional hedge of just I got Philly on the money line with a little bit of money, but Smart. I've also got um, FC Cincinnati on the money line and Brandon Vasquez is an anytime goal scorer uh, on a parlay that it's going to pay That's me good. out a, a, a nice little bit of money. And then I always like to have at least one fun, ridiculous bet. And my ridiculous bet is exact score victory FCC two nil, the most dangerous win in soccer. Anytime goal scorer Brenner, anytime goal scorer Vasquez. And if that one hits, we're all going out for a really nice steak dinner because (laughs) that's going to pay your boy a little bit of money. (laughs) Yeah, I I was looking at those. I really like the uh, where they give you three scores where it's like the final score of win two to one, three to one or four to one. And I'm like, that feels possible in either direction. Right. I almost put some money on Philly on that one. The Philly 2-1, 3-1, 4-1 win just yeah. because like, I'll, I feel I, – I don't see us getting shut out. I think if we get shut out, it's because the game goes nil-nil and goes all the For way through that way. For a long time, yep, yep. Like I just – I don't I, – I don't see Philly. Philly's really good. They're really, really good. And they've got a hell of a lot of firepower. But it's important to remember about Philly that, like, the majority of their goals were in a couple of those five, six, seven goal explosion games. And they win a lot of games where they just they 
looked kind of average on offense, punctuated by beating the ever-living shit out of a couple of teams. Um, yeah. Almost like Brenner in that regard a little bit, where, you know, can look ordinary from time to time, but also can look like they're playing a different sport than their opposition yeah. is. So I just I could see so many different results in this game. And if you told me any one of these, I'd be like, you're from the future and that you saw it happen, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I believe that. I think a key a key matchup in this game is going to be uh, Kai Wagner versus our the right side of our defense. I mean, mm. Pal gets forward a lot, which means he leaves space behind him a lot. Wagner has something like 15 assists this year from left back. Like so, Nick Haggins yeah. gonna probably have to do a lot of work there, hmm. um, or you know, question if if I don't know. I mean, how aggressive is Powell gonna be going forward? How conservative are they gonna play? How's how's Nick Haglin gonna do? I think I think we still leave a lot of space uh, in front of our in front of our defense a lot because we put so push so many guys yeah forward. the press is so high yeah um so there's going to be a lot expected of the back three um i i you know we didn't have miazga against them in june and only give up one goal only give up one goal when they came here yeah and put up three so they clearly, we clearly have a plan, um, but there's there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of things about um, about Philadelphia that 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 worry me. But um, really, it's it's I just is keep thinking about Wagner. Yeah, um, Bedoya might not be there and probably yeah. won't be starting. It's all he was unless hurt. He's, unless yeah. he's playing like mind games. <laughs> just giving the veteran the week off leading up to the the playoff game would you I mean, roll the same would you roll the same lineup if you're was, if you're albright or not albright if you're about Nuna? this i do i i, just, I, I, I can't the lineup I, yeah this is this is the this is the squad but it's like do you do something a little different just to throw a wrinkle in i mean given what you just said there grayson would you want a more defensive gaddis opposite Wagner, someone who might know him a little better. No, because I don't. Because I don't think. I don't think Gaddis is fast enough. Yeah, I think good. Right. I. <laughs> well, I, there's I, that. I think Gaddis. I think Gaddis <laughs> is. I think Gaddis is fine as a defensive sub. Yeah. In the game, I'm not. I'm not starting him, and expecting him to go, 67 minutes against Philadelphia. No. Way. Yeah. I agree. I mean, Kubo is an incredible super sub, but this team looks so much better with him out there. Like, I I, I don't anticipate he ever starts, even if we make it all the way to MLS Cup, barring some horrific injury somewhere. But I, I do – I'm always a little disappointed when I see he's not starting these games. I, I would like to see a full hour of a Kubo midfield with Obi, but – I don't know. Maybe it's too chaotic. Maybe he pushes up too far forward. Maybe, yeah, you just don't mess with success. But yeah, that's where I'm that's at. I'm at I wouldn't hate. I'm at the part right now where it's you don't mess with success and you don't mess with the fact that this team is this lineup has played together a lot. Yeah. And I, there's probably something to the idea that this particular group of people knows 
where they're supposed to be and knows where everybody else is going to be and that any deviation from that is you're introducing an element of uncertainty to a game where you're really going to be have to be you know on it for the entirety of the 90 minutes plus yeah i'm trying to think did did we leave yeah uh oh no okay we i was gonna say i thought we left all of our subs unused but no we we made a bunch of subs in the 90th minute plus there so i was uh i, I was kind of kind of confused by that uh earlier in oh, the game harris, so harris also also madunian and also started the game in philadelphia oh yeah I just, I just old harris well that seems yeah, like a harris lifetime can... ago too because yeah didn't they retire his jersey and gave him the split jersey game, right, right before we beat here. yeah that was before we beat the shit out of him so do we need to like do we need to bring harris back and like give him another jersey just like we're gonna I do mean, the exact same thing over again like we're repeating every aspect of what we did before that game where we just beat the stuffing out of him like we're gonna re-retire re his jersey we're gonna have him have like a tearful reunion with everybody like we got to do everything exactly the way we do it maybe it'll the magical work again i don't know wow okay so i'm looking at i'm looking at fought mob the starting lineup for your fc cincinnati i'm gonna go from keeper on up celentano obviously uh johnny nelson left back then blackett cameron Hagland is your center backs. Ray Gaddis as your right back. Wobodo Madunyanen, your defensive midfielders. Barial was your 10 for that game with Vasquez and Brenner up top. Uh, that I'm counting one, two, three, four, five changes that I expect. And all of them would be improvements. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think get your hopes up, folks. <laughs> the, the, the thing to remember about playoffs, and this is why I think this is why I mean, not just why I think we have a chance, is why I think we have a chance to 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 beat everybody. Is is yeah, like what you do over the course of the season is what gets you in the playoffs. But who you are in the playoffs is not who you were day yes. one through the end of the season divided by the number of games you played it's who you've been the last five six seven ten eleven twelve games of the season and fc cincinnati is a very different team going into the playoffs than they were at the beginning of the season there have been a number of significant changes other players have gotten healthy other players have gotten more comfortable in their positions so this might be true of philadelphia i don't know but I think it's probably fair to say that the version of FC Cincinnati going into the game on Thursday or today, or I don't know when this podcast comes out, uh, <laughs> the version of Cincinnati, FC Cincinnati going into that game is the best version of, of FC Cincinnati that there's been this year. And it's a better version of the team that played Philadelphia and tied them away and beat them 3-1 to one at TQL. Yeah. You want to talk about a a team in a weird spot here. Yes, Philadelphia beat Toronto for nothing on decision day. Fine. That's a terrible Toronto team that like sat half of their good players. Uh fine. The game before that, Philadelphia lost to Charlotte for nothing, giving up 
<laughs> all four goals to one Daniel Rios. All right. And before that, they drew Atlanta nil nil. Or no, nothing, nothing. So, I mean, it's not like Philly is is some incredible juggernaut. Now I'm just gonna completely ignore that they beat Orlando five to one the week before that. Uh, that doesn't fit my narrative here. But like, Philly's struggled towards the the last couple of games of the season. They they kind of pissed away a shot at the supporter shield and almost lost the top seed to Montreal. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm and just going to continue I, to hype I, myself up. And I also, it's like <laughs> the pressure is on Philly. Yes. Home field advantage mm-hmm. throughout the playoffs, number one seed. The pressure is on Philly. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I can't pretend to know what like an, a world-class athlete is thinking that the pressure is always on, I guess. But just, I, right. I have to think that there is some, if this team can hang around in this game, not even be leading, but just hang around. I have to think that, 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 that Philly team, that curtain specifically might start seeing some ghosts a little bit. And you know what I would instruct all the players to do as I'd go find your counterpart. If you're a center back, go find a, a Philly center back before the game, shake their hand and just politely mention how much you make a year. Because all of our guys are making like twice as much as their guys and just immediately start getting into their heads. Like have Tyler Blackett introduce himself to the best center backs in the league and go, hi, I make twice to three times as much as you. I won't be playing. I'm not even on the game day roster. I don't know why I traveled. I thought you were going to say like you go into the stadium, you find the biggest guy on the field and you kick his ass. Right. And just punch it. No way. You just. That was, that you was just, like a long standing take I had about football that if I was coaching a team that was in the Super Bowl, I would have the last player on the roster, whoever that person is. Like the yes. if there's a 52 man roster, I want guy number 52. And I would, on the kickoff, I would elect to receive. And I would have that number 52 guy on the kickoff team. And his only job is that as soon as the ball is kicked off, is to run at their kicker, take his helmet off, and just bash him in the knee as hard as you can. And that way, you know, if it comes down to a last second field goal you have taken out their kicker and you are already at a statistical advantage in a close game he'll get ejected <laughs> and probably banned yep. for life but you just set Maybe him up with like a nice charges. you know you 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 quietly get some cash to him take care of his family i mean flags fly forever and as long as you're never implicated in paying this guy off i mean fuck like how different would super bowl history be if every coach had tried that no adam vinatieri at the end of that game that the patriots win to set off the tom brady dynasty there may no be, be not be a Tom Brady dynasty if the helmet bash technique had been employed. How often does that happen before people just stop being willing to be kickers? Right. You probably then, yeah, you probably see the elimination of the kicker before then, anything else then, happens. And then it's okay, don't threaten me with a good time. We've fixed the problem in sports, which is that nobody likes kickers. Nobody likes kickers in the NFL. You've made yeah. the game better. I mean, I would say kicking positions in general. Get rid of punters and make every team go for it on fourth down. That's way more fun. It's just infinitely more fun. So congratulations, you invented invented competitive Madden. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Way more fun. Oh, man. 
I'm going to say FCC wins this, all right? I'm just throwing it out there. I think FCC wins this one. I couldn't tell you the score, but I think we score more than them, and I'm happy with that prediction. (laughs) 2-0 goals from Brenner and Vasquez, and it's a FC Cincinnati shocks the world, and I make a lot of money. Yeah, I'll say 3-2 goals by – two goals by Brenner, one by Miazga. Ooh. I like that. I I, I do like the, I like the the multiple Brenner goal take here. I like that because I feel like These I feel do. like that that seems to be something that hasn't happened yet that needs to happen is that the Brenner goes off in a playoff game. Like if it's like, you know, the gang buys a bar, it's Brenner goes <laughs> off in a playoff game is the title of this next episode. Oh I would Could love you that. Imagine a Brenner hat trick in like the MLS Cup final. Oh my god! <laughs> in like in the first twenty minutes, and it's just yeah. not fun for anybody else after. If that. you it, all right, so I know that I know the, the the move when you score in soccer is you take the kit off and you throw it up and you reveal the sports bra with all the analytics shit on it. If you yes. score a hat trick, a hat trick in MLS Cup final in the first half, you've got to drop trow and flex at the center the center line, right? <laughs> You just drop trowel and flex right on the crowd. This is it. (laughs) I I make a show of it, just like pants straight down, (laughs) arms up, and just shout at the crowd. Oh my god! And then you got to build a statue of that later on, and it's really uncomfortable for everyone that visits your stadium when it's like the biggest moment in our team's history is a man standing at the center line, (laughs) pants down, arms up, just taunting the crowd. Oh my god! <laughs> I I am hoping for uh, an FCC win, obviously. But every goal FCC scores is a former Union player. I think just the insult to injury and the storyline would just be too much. Powell finally gets his worldy oh, that he man. attempts every game. Powell, <laughs> if Powell finally hits one in the game. <laughs> Oh. Ray Gaddis scores a header from a Santos uh, cross. Oh, it's a, incredible. It's a, it is a game entirely made up of goals that no one celebrates. So it's a 2-0 FC Cincinnati game with Santos scoring one off yes. a deflection because he clearly never intends to score goals. No. He can't If he's trying to score a goal, it's not going to work. But yes. it's off a deflection for Santos, and then Powell scores his goal, and it's just mm. like – it's so good. Everyone refuses oh to god. celebrate. We're we're just too classy for that. Oh my god, that'd be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then in, in stoppage time, as we're killing the game off, Gaddis gets a tap in somehow. Or like Yes. <laughs> chips chips the keeper from halfway because they pulled their keeper, right? <laughs> Gaddis seems like he'd be too classy to try that. Yeah, that's no. true. No, he would have corner. an open shot up 2-0, and he'd just play it out for the goal kick because, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know who would not play it out? Brenner. Brenner. No, Brenner would. <laughs> Brenner's like, Brenner fuck would you. I got to get paid in Europe. Into the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like in the basketball game when, like, you're up by 30 points in a college game. He's the guy that does the alley-oop off the backboard to his teammate just to try and make sports center. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! It does remind me of uh, Dempsey purposely missing his penalty to keep Dosicero. So that's same same energy. Would same be, energy. 
Gaddis, Gaddis trying not to embarrass the union. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, hopefully, I mean, if you're traveling to Philly uh, and you're on that awful road trip, hopefully we, we entertained you as you drove past, let's say, Morgantown. If you happen to be driving past Morgantown, West Virginia, and you listen to this, uh, you're welcome. Glad, yeah, we, glad we could get you this far. We got you to the, we got you to the next Wawa. You're okay. Yes. <laughs> Avoid the tolls, all right? Don't give in. Avoid the tolls. Fuck Columbus. Fuck Columbus.